This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. is it going everybody welcome back to another edition of the tell it abs it is podcast your home for everything colorado avalanche on the hockey podcast network and sponsored by DraftKings sportsbook it's not quite the time for the madness that is college basketball in march but that doesn't mean the fun has to wait DraftKings sportsbook america's top rated sportsbook app is giving all new players the chance to cash 100 dollars New customers can bet $1 on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week, and if your team makes it rain, you cash $100. That's right, all it takes is for one three-pointer being hit by your chosen team to turn $1 into $100. That is an easy no-brainer. This slam dunk of an offer won't be around forever, so head to the App Store now, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, and get in on all of the action. And if basketball isn't for you, DraftKings Sportsbook has daily odds on hockey, soccer, and so much more. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to its customers since 2012, so they know a thing or two about big paydays. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to get your shot to turn $100 into $100 when you bet on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. That's promo code THPN so that they know we sent you. And that is for new customers to get a shot at 100 to 1 odds on any basketball team to hit a three-point shot only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Folks, that was one hell of a win by the Colorado Avalanche over the Vegas Golden Knights on Tuesday night. A 3-2 decision. Nazem Kadri with the game-winning goal with 40 seconds to go. The Avalanche get the split in Vegas down six players, including players like Kale McCarr and Gabe Landeskog. They go into Vegas, which so far this season has been one of the toughest places to play. Vegas has been borderline unbeatable in their building. They come close in the first game. They hadn't played a game in just about two weeks at that point, and they lose one to nothing. They get shut down by Marc-Andre Fleury. They play well, arguably outplay Vegas at certain points in the game. Can't get one on the board. One bounce their way. They at least get a point out of that game, and now they come into tonight having lost that last game, and they battle from start to finish. It wasn't perfect, but it was a win, the biggest win of the season, 3-2. to two. Nathan McKinnon gets on the board, Brandon Saad gets on the board, and obviously Nazem Kadri with the biggest goal of the season thus far, without a doubt. Outside of some eventual late season scenarios, this is this is going to rank as one of the biggest wins of the season. And depending on what happens in the rest of the season, which is impossible to tell, obviously, this is the biggest win of the season. This was exactly what the Avalanche needed. This is a confidence booster. This is this, you can build a season around this win. I know that sounds a little dramatic, but when you put them. When you put the circumstances the way that they are, the Avalanche miss basically a week and a half of hockey due to circumstances outside of their control. They come back against Vegas, who is one of the best teams in the league, and as of right now, the class of the West coming into this series. Lose one to nothing, they play well, and now they're coming into a point where they are looking at potentially losing two games to Vegas. And falling behind them pretty healthily, I would say, if they were to drop this one. And 
obviously not must win. Must win is saved for later in the season, but a very important game nonetheless. They are down six players at this point. The entire COVID list of Gabe Landeskog, Tyson Jost, and Sam Gerrard, and injuries that have been lingering for a while. Pavel Francouz still nowhere near coming back. I think Eric Johnson still week to week, and Matt Calvert still week to week. And obviously the big one, Kale McCarr misses both games against Vegas with an upper body injury. He came out in warmups and skated, but ultimately was not able to play. The odds were against the Avs at this point, and if they were to drop this game, Vegas would have an eight-point lead on them, I believe, and the Avs would only have a game in hand. And that it's early in the season, but that's tough to come back from. Instead, the Avalanche get a big win. They get big performances across the board, but like I said, wasn't perfect, and we'll get into all of that later. Philip Grubauer stands on his head. I can't stress enough just how important this win is to get two of four points in Vegas, and not just that. Vegas in this game gets nothing. They get nothing. That is beautiful. If this game goes to overtime and the exact same thing happens, Colorado wins, Kadri gets the winner, you still don't feel as good about it because Vegas gets three of four points, and now they only get two of four points, and we just get to get that much closer to them in the standings. We still have a bit of ground to make up, admittedly. With We still have a game in hand on Vegas. They have 21 points. We have 17, but that's four points. And guess who we play two more times? Vegas. That gap. If we win both of those games, that gap is close to nothing. And the Avalanche take over with the game in hand. Just looking at the standings real quick. Vegas, 21 points in 14 games played. St. Louis, 20 points in 16 games played. And the Avalanche, 17 points in 13 games played. Points percentage-wise, the Avalanche would be second above St. Louis. Avalanche have a 654. St. Louis has a 625. Vegas, even after the loss, at 750. I mean admittedly, they have beaten up on the the bad teams of this division. I mean, let's let's just be honest. The Kings, the Sharks, the Ducks, Coyotes, not the best teams in the world. And like I said, coming into this series, that's why I was so excited to see it, because the Avalanche, we've only had those two games against St. Louis to really test ourselves, and early in the season, like literally the first two games, it's hard to really tell anything at that point, and Vegas had only played St. Louis once and lost in a shootout, so basically they tied. And all the delays and everything, yada, yada, yada. And here we are, and these teams are very evenly matched, and to pull this one out is awesome incredible and in regulation nonetheless like i was saying like this season regulation wins actually mean something i mean you go to a normal season in colorado let's say they take a trip to i don't know to new jersey to play the devils and if that, if that game's tied 3-3 late do you think either team is really pushing to get a goal at that point i mean if the other team hands them a goal they'll take it but they're they're going to play it safe and secure a point and guarantee a point because they're they're not going to care if the Devils get a point out east. They're, they're caring that they are guaranteeing themselves a one point in their standings, and they're going to fight for the second one in overtime or the shootout. And if they don't get one, it's not the end of the world. You get one. This season, that is not the case. You cannot go to overtime and get away with it this time. You need to win games in regulation. And th- th- case in point, this game. You needed to win this game in regulation. Now you keep Vegas off the board. They get nothing, and they played well, admittedly. They might have even deserved a point out of this, but they didn't get it. We get the full two. Vegas gets nothing. And honestly, that is, that's why the NHL needs to go to a, either a 3-2-1 system for points, three for regulation wins, two for an overtime win, and one for an overtime loss. Or just cut all the semantics and go to wins-losses anyway. I mean, points are just kind of dumb anyway. But I've gone down that rabbit hole so many times on this show before. I don't need to do it as we're just getting started. But 
huge regulation win, and now we go into Saturday against the Golden Knights again, and we will take this series outside to Lake Tahoe. I'm very excited for that game. Just cause I want to see the, the scenery around the game. I hope they don't mess with it that much, and I hope they don't, like, pump in crowd noise. I don't know why they would do that, but, like, I want them to just kind of, like, leave it alone. I don't want there to be, like, a bunch of camera crews. I want, I want, to, I want them to really amp up the natural sound of that game because that seems to be kind of the point with the whole weird, like, whispering commercial you see on NBC where they're like, the Avs and the Golden Knights. Like, I hate that commercial. It's disturbing. But I get the point they're trying to make. I think that's a... It, I hope it doesn't turn out to be, like, a sloppy game like you see sometimes with outdoor games. I hope it delivers... I think they've also done a really terrible job at advertising this game because, I mean, like, ask ask anyone, like, if they knew that the Avalanche and Golden Knights were playing in an outdoor game that's not, like, a, a hardcore hockey fan. Like, obviously, we know about it. I assume you know about it because you're listening to an Avalanche podcast. But, like, if you're, like, a, if you're like a casual, like, I don't know casual let's just stick with the devils the devil a devil's fan like a casual devil's fan do you know or care like they just have these commercials like every once in a while like you see it once you're like oh that's happening and then you just forget about it entirely the nhl does an awful job at marketing their outdoor games and i'm getting off track here but anyway getting back to it we'll take we're taking this series outside i don't know why it's considered a home game for the avalanche when it's in lake tahoe which is on basically the border of California, much closer to Vegas. Somehow this counts as a home game for us, but there's no fans, I guess, so it doesn't really matter. Anyway, big to get a win in this one, heading into that one, and especially the way they did in this one. Nazem Kadri with the game-winning goal. Bowen Byram sets it all up. We will get to Bowen Byram later. Nazem Kadri, I mean the biggest goal of the season. I mean, I said it before, I'll say it again. The biggest goal of the season. You keep Vegas off the board. You give yourself the full two points. You close the gap a bit on Vegas. And you really kind of nail home that maybe Vegas needs to be a little worried. Because the Avalanche coming off of two weeks rest, not playing a hockey game, really hangs around with Vegas at their worst and at their best outplayed them this these were two very very entertaining games to watch and the avalanche were missing six players seven if you count francois and missing guys like landis on the top line makar who needs no introduction and sam gerard when they get these guys back and they play vegas again and they're gonna get these guys back at least two of them with landis and jost and Makar. Makar is going to be back as well. When they get those guys back, if you're Vegas, are you not sweating a little bit? They just kind of, they at least hung around with you in your own building without those guys and beat you once without those guys, and now they're going to get them back, and you're going to play them again outside, which is kind of a toss-up. I mean, for the outdoor game, just to get off track for a second, there is no like home ice advantage, and it might be really sloppy ice and just a weird experience. Those games are always a toss-up, and you never know what's actually going to happen. But then they got to go and play Colorado in Colorado, and that is a big. You got to win that if you're the Abs. Like no matter no matter how the outdoor game goes, you obviously have to win that one on your home ice. It doesn't matter if you steal one in Vegas if you drop the one on your home ice. And then you don't see these guys again for a little while. So let's look back at the game now. Obviously, Avalanche shut out in their first matchup with Vegas one to nothing, and they did not seem at all bothered by that. They came into this game flying a little bit. Dennis Gilbert and Keegan Colzard dropped the gloves early on, and... Dennis Gilbert gets knocked out of the game with a broken nose, losing that fight pretty clearly, and just not really sure why you want to fight at that point. It's like two minutes into the game, and now you got your nose broken, and he comes back for like two shifts for the entire game. He plays under two minutes, so now the abs are down to five defensemen 
for the entire game. I like, okay, I guess you showed Bednar that you're ready to play and that you got heart and intensity. And okay, look where that got you. It was it was just kind of a dumb fight between. Like, what could have possibly happened in two minutes that you got to fight the guy for it? It's just, you don't need to fight to prove that you belong in the NHL. You can do that by playing hockey, because that's kind of the point. But anyway, he loses that fight and is leaking blood all over the place and goes back to the locker room and comes back every once in a while, and we don't see too much from him for the rest of the night. And the Avs, they... They came out flying a bit, and they got some early power plays, and they sucked on them. The power play was abysmal in this game. And I don't know if it's not having Kale McCarr and Sam Girard that really like set this back. I mean, there are huge parts of the power play, absolutely. McCarr and Girard are essentially the quarterbacks. But my god, like... I have seen some bad power plays before, but, like, sometimes they're just a fluke. Like, special teams in sports, especially in hockey with power plays and penalty kills, on a power play, you're not going to score more often than you actually score. I mean, the highest percent, like, if you have a 30% power play, like, you're basically running miracles every time you're on the ice on the power play. But this was bad bad they i i could probably count on one hand the amount of times they actually got set up on the power play and they had three of these in the first period there was nothing i swear that vegas had better chances shorthanded than we did on the power play I, again i don't know if it's just mccarr being out and gerard as well or they're trying something else on the power play it whatever it was it did not work whatsoever and i hope to never have to witness that with my own two eyes again because that sucked and my god like it just shows how important kale mccarr is to this team obviously kale mccarr is important i know bold claims on this show only from yours truly kale mccarr is important but when the power play looks that bad, like, it's no, it's noticeable how much they miss that guy and his puck control and just how he gets the puck to just go wherever he wants it to, whether it's towards the net or to McKinnon or anywhere he wants it to. And even Sam Gerrard, he moves the puck very, very well. He's very hesitant to shoot it, but he can get that power play set up at least no one could do that on any of these power plays especially these first three power plays they got a couple more throughout the game but it did not get any better at any point but eventually at even strength Miko Rantanen feeds Nathan McKinnon for a one-timer and beats Marc-Andre Fleury for the first time in this series, the Avalanche are on the board. Nathan McKinnon, his first even-strength goal of the season. I thought I read that wrong when I first saw that. Like, It shows that he struggled a bit getting on the board. He's still producing, still racking up the assists, especially when Rantanen was on his hot streak before that brief pause. But he need, he needed this one. I I I did. I will pat myself on the back here. I did predict this last show that McKinnon would have a big game. I also predicted the score exactly. But moving on from that, I predicted McKinnon would have a big game in this one, and he did. He opens the scoring in this one. His first even strength goal of the season. A beautiful one timer, and we need more of that. We need more of that. It's great to see him get assists, but to be one of the most valuable players in the league like he was last season and to com frankly compete with McDavid and the other best players in the world, you got to score goals. It, it's non-negotiable. Goals are more valuable than assists. They, they both count as one point, but goals are more important. Again, bold takes only, but his first two goals have come on the power play this season. We, we need to see more from him five-on-five. Five. He's been spectacular. I am not at all suggesting otherwise. Not one bit. He's been 
great, especially setting other people up with the puck. But he needs to start doing it himself a little bit. And this was a just another perfect example of that duo of McKinnon and Rantanen coming through for this team again. One of, if not the best duo in the league. I mean, my mind immediately goes to McDavid Dreisaitl, but they don't play on the same line. Rantanen and McKinnon do. These guys are unstoppable. They're good for at least one goal basically every game. If it's not McKinnon scoring, it's Rantanen, and they're usually feeding the other. It's crazy just how good these two are together. And it's Rantanen's taken a bit of a step back since the pause. He's been on a little bit of a scoring slump. I mean, he was on that ridiculous pace. I mean, he was threatening to break the the goal streak record for the Avalanche. I can't remember exactly what game he finished on, but he was he was getting up there and he I was talking about is does he have a shot at the Rocket this year? He's scoring every single night. And he did get the assist on this goal, but outside of that, it looks like he's been struggling a little bit. I got to say, it looks like he's just kind of struggling. He's not nearly as dominant. And while this was a great pass, I think he I think he just needs to like find a rhythm again. I don't know if that's going to happen next game or the the game at home against Vegas, but he he really needs to find it again. It just seems like he's out of stride and just needs to have that clicking in himself again. But anyway, the Avalanche get on the board first, one nothing after the first period. This game this was Outside of this goal, I'd say the first half of this game was kind of unforgettable. Like I'm just I'm looking through the br- the brief jotting of my notes, and there's not a lot from the first half of this game outside of the fight and how bad the power play was and the Nathan McKinnon goal and something else I will get to later. How friggin' good Philip Grubauer was in this game, but the next bit of action in this game the next tangible bit of action comes from the golden knights tying the game max patcheretti snipes on philip grubauer again second goal of the series for him i mean at this point there were three goals scored between these two teams in these two games and two of them were from patcheretti he had that one hat trick earlier in the season went cold and gets two more here against the abs he just when he turns it on he's on and then after this point, floodgates kind of open a little bit. The game opens up a lot more. It gets a lot more exciting because less than a minute later, Brandon Saad gets a beautiful feed from Donskoy and just squeaks it underneath Marc-Andre Fleury for the answer and the avalanche. Retake the lead again. They needed that from Brandon Saad. He gets put down on that second line with Kadri and Donskoy and... It looks really, really good. Jonas Donskoy is having a hell of a season. Like, I don't even know how to describe it. Before the break, it was seeming like he was either scoring every night or every other night. And he sets up Saad with a beautiful pass here to set up the goal for the Avalanche to take the lead. And Philip Grubauer is holding the fort from here for the rest of the period. Vegas with a lot of pressure and they had a lot of chances to tie this game in the second period. Philip Grubauer especially. A huge save on Alex Petrangelo late in the second period. He's He is... I'm just going to say it now. I was going to get to him later. Philip Grubauer is the reason the Avalanche won this game. And you can say that about a lot of games. He is the best player on this team right now. But I will save that for a little later. We get to the third period now. And Sheldon Drees takes a very bad penalty, and Colorado has to kill it off right away, which they do, but my lord, it seems like the only time I notice Sheldon Drees is on the ice is when he's making a mistake, and it is a very hard argument to make that this guy belongs in the NHL. He he looks brutal out there at times, and when he's not looking brutal, you don't really notice him at all, frankly, and I guess he did okay the rest of the night filling in as a fourth liner. I mean, what whatever. I guess I guess I guess he's fine. He's Landeskog is coming back and he's going to get taken out of the lineup and we don't have to talk about it again. Hopefully not cuz I just the guy's not very good. 
he's just not very good. He takes penalties and he lays hits on the fourth line. Woohoo. Like, I'm sure there are plenty of guys unsigned in free agency that can do that as well. Like, so I'm not, I'm not gonna, I saw a lot of people like, oh, well, he lays hits and he does this and that. Okay. Awesome. I'm sure a lot of people do that in the NHL. Does he do anything else? Oh, okay. He lays hits and does fourth lining stuff. Cool. Okay. Well, you can find anyone on free agency to do that. It's just, it's hard to make an argument that this guy is an NHL player, especially on this team with this much talent. And I know we're really scraping the barrel when it comes to our taxi squad and AHL squad. I mean, as much as I love Logan O'Connor, he's on the third line right now with Comfer and Nachushkin. I mean, who? I did not even know that was... I didn't even really even consider the possibility that O'Connor would get more than a few games this season. And you got Jason Magna on the fourth line with Dries and Belmar. I mean... Magna didn't look terrible. He had an odd man rush at a certain point in this game with Jacob McDonald, which is a sentence that happened. Wow. But as for Sheldon Drees, he's coming out of the lineup when Landis Gog comes back the next game, and I don't know. I don't know if he comes back, honestly, unless they are once again really digging for someone to put into the lineup. I, I suspect that maybe Kiefer Sherwood or Mika Salamaki is going to get in before Drees does again. I just I just don't see it, if I'm being honest. I just don't see it in him being an NHL player. I'm very, like, these guys are in the NHL. They're obviously all very good. Drees just looks out of place. And I'm sorry to say it, he just doesn't look like he belongs here. And he did his best. He did his absolute best, and that's all we can ask, I suppose. But I don't know. This is this isn't junior hockey anymore. This is the NHL. And if trying your best is not good enough, you don't belong. Anyway, after that, it the Vegas keeps up the pressure immensely in this third period, and it is a crazy scramble around the net multiple times. Like it was only a matter of time before Vegas scored a goal. They could have scored a goal on at least five separate occasions in this stretch of the third period. And in the one they eventually score on, it is a crazy scramble in front. Grubauer is diving across the crease and trying to make a stop on a puck that comes loose. He stops it, but the puck is not fully stopped. and It's bouncing around, and there's six players fighting for the puck. And you got, you got a bunch of guys kind of just standing there looking at what's going on. I mean, Burakovsky is just staring at a guy. I don't really know what you're doing on this play. And eventually, Jonathan Marcheseau finds the puck and puts it in for an easy goal. Grubauer's flat on his stomach. If if he gets up, the puck goes in. If he lays on his stomach, the puck goes in. And at this point, he's screwed because he had to dive across and make that save. And now he has to hope someone else gets it out, and they don't. And Vegas ties the game at two early in the third period and the avalanche they to their credit they really could have packed it up after this and let vegas take this one home in regulation just having their spirits crushed they didn't they bounced back from this goal in a big way and they really picked up their game and they took it to vegas a lot of the time it, it went back and forth the last 10 minutes of this game was probably some of the most entertaining hockey that I have seen this season, just as a whole, especially from the Avalanche. This game was going back and forth and back and forth, chance the other way, chance the other way. Andre Burakovsky gets elevated to the first line with McKinnon and Rantanen, and this was... You guys know I love Burakovsky. This was not a good game for him. And if he's going to be elevated to the top line... Someone needs to drill it into his head that that doesn't mean you have to defer the puck to McKinnon and Rantanen. Yes, they are McKinnon and Rantanen, but if you have a scoring chance, shoot! Shoot the puck! It, was, it seemed like the old Burakovsky really starting to rear its head where he he thinks too much and he... His first reaction is, oh, I'm not going to get this. I'll give, I'll give it to McKinnon or Branton, and they'll take care of this. Shoot. I really believe that Burakovsky has one of the best shots in the league when it doesn't get interrupted. If he takes it, he probably scores two times in this period, but he defers the puck. He, he's a very confidence-based player. 
if he's not if he's not feeling very confident, he it's going to be a minute before he scores a goal again. And if he's not feeling good about himself, it's it's rough and he looks rough on the ice. But when he does start feeling good about himself, he starts burying a goal it seems almost every night. There's there's no recipe for success with him it seems. He got off to the hot start to the season with the two goals in the first two games. He gets hurt for a little bit. And you can't, you haven't noticed him much recently, if really at all. He got the other goal against San Jose and two assists in the first game against the Wild, and he's been held off the board entirely for the next little while. He had no shots in this game at all, nothing on net, which is unbelievable considering the amount of chances that he's had. It's like Burakovsky is not developing anymore. He's 25. We know what he is. He knows what he is, and he knows what his role is on this team. You are a sniper. Your job is to snipe the puck. Excuse me, he's 26, elevating my point even more. Not young anymore. Shoot the puck. Like, we're I'm, we're not doing this whole, he's a kid and he's still trying to find his confidence. You have been in the league for six seasons now. I believe this is his sixth season and his second with the Avalanche. He has eight points in 10 games, which is not at all bad, and he's going to be better later in the season because that's just, he's a hot and cold player. When he's hot, he's hot, and you can't stop him. When he's cold, you can, a stiff breeze will push him over. This game was rough for him, and I need to see more out of him because Bednar trusted him enough to put him on the top line, did he not? And he did not deliver. And I he shouldn't be on the top line if he's going to defer the puck. Yes, it's McKinnon and Rantanen, and if you have the opportunity, you should probably get the puck to them. But if you have a scoring chance, shoot it. And if that's how you're gonna if that's how you're gonna be, then he should just be on the second line with whoever it is at that point, preferably Kadri, and you can put Sod up there on the top line. It just doesn't it doesn't work. It really doesn't work. But anyway, this game goes back and forth for the rest of the period. And I think towards the end of the game, Colorado actually ended up taking control of this game. And Nazem Kadri, with 40 seconds left in the game, cleans up in front a beautiful point shot from Bowen Byram that deflects around a little bit, goes right to Kadri, and he beats Marc-Andre Fleury right in front of the net. Lest we forget, Kadri was the one that scored that goal with .01 seconds left against St. Louis in the bubble last year, and now he's done it again. He's the only player in history to score two game winners with less than a minute left in the game. And this, what a huge goal. Like, Obviously, a huge goal for the team. They get two points out of it. Vegas gets none, but a huge goal for Nazem Kadri. I mean, he's been hot and cold this season for sure. It seems like whenever he's starting to play well again, it's he goes on another slump and people start to get sick of him. And I ripped on him a little in the last game because he, in the dying seconds, he had a wide open scoring chance or at least had someone at the net he could have passed it to and fed it across the ice with 17 seconds left. And I was like... You can't do that. That's un that's unacceptable. You got to get that puck to the net, and he makes up for it big time with this one. What a what a beauty of a goal! Greasy in front, Byram getting that puck to the net. He gets an assist on it. His second point of the season, and we'll talk about Bowen Byram in a second. But we'll finish up with Kadri first. Kadri is Kadri comes up big when the spotlight gets brighter. He gets the big goals. He gets the playoff goals. He might not get the goals in game 30 or whatever against the Sharks, or maybe he will, but what I was saying about Kadri early in the season, yes, we're frustrated with him right now. Yes, he's not playing very well. As the season goes on, he's going to get better, and he's going to score big goals in those games as well. And once the playoffs roll around, he's going to be one of the best second line centers in the league. I think we're going to 
be getting past that point where Kadri looks ineffective on the ice because he wasn't great last game and he wasn't great before the break. This game he looked better. If you t- if you take away the goal, you take a- you take the goal out of the equation. He was physical. He dug out a bunch of pucks on the boards, and he broke up a scoring chance in the second period and kept Vegas off the board. He was so much better in this game. And if we get more of that, this team's going to be rolling, especially as they get healthy. And that I mean, scoring a goal like that has got to be a big boost for your confidence. And you got like, we've seen what confidence does for Kadri. He turns into a beast. You can't stop him. So he gets this goal. Colorado holds on. Philip Grubauer, another win on the books. He played phenomenal in this one. Avalanche win it three to two. I'm just going to come out and say it. Philip Grubauer is the team MVP right now without question. And I am not alone in that sentiment. Kadri said as much. Kadri said that Grubauer is the backbone of this team. He is the one that is driving the bus, and he is completely right. Philip Grubauer has lost two games this season. That was the season opener to St. Louis, and the 3-1 loss to Anaheim where John Gibson stood on his head. Yes, maybe Philip Grubauer didn't play perfectly in that game, but it wouldn't have mattered if he let in 10. They were not winning that game. Philip Grubauer is leading basically the league among starting goalies, basically goalies who have played more than five games, I think he's maybe only behind Flurry still because Flurry had that obviously the shutout last game. But even then, you look at the stats now. Flurry is a 9.37, Grubauer is a 9.36, and Grubauer has a much larger sample size of 11 games. And I mean, take your pick at that point as to who you want as your starting goalie, like. And the thing that impresses me the most about Grubauer is, like, Marc-Andre Fleury, as great as he is, has Robin Leonard as his backup. Obviously, Leonard is dealing with some injuries right now, but he's going to be back soon. Philip Grubauer has been on his own this entire season. Yes, Hunter Miska has played two games, but he's played two games. And, not to be forgotten, they lost both of those games. And they have won... Eight games with Philip Grubauer in net. That's not a coincidence. Philip Grubauer is hiding a lot of defensive mistakes. And speaking of defense, he won this game against Vegas without Kale McCarr, Sam Gerrard, or Eric Johnson. I mean, he's winning these games basically with an an entire member of the defense missing every single night. He's, he has not been put in a position to succeed. Yes, the Avalanche are playing well in front of him, and the guys that have come in have stepped up, but it's not making his job any easier to have no backup goalie and basically only two guys in your, two or three guys in your ideal top six playing against, you can make the argument that Vegas is a top three team in the league right now. I mean, Put whoever you want ahead of them, whether it's Boston or Tampa or whoever you want. He's standing on his head against these guys. And it still blows my mind that people were mad at Grubauer after the one goal he gave up in a one nothing loss, that Pacioretty goal. Like, what, what else do you want? I mean, it's a rough time to be a Grubauer denier right now. It's what else do you want from the guy? He is he he wins the Norris right now if the season ends today. He's been the best goalie in the league. And I mean that. That's not bias. He's been better than Flurry considering the amount of injuries and no backup behind him. And he's been better than Vasilevsky when you consider just the amount of help Vasilevsky has in front of him. And he's just he's just straight up been better than Vasilevsky. That's not even a debate. And okay, Flurry is 0.01 save percentage better. We'll see if that stands when Flurry has played 11 games at that point. Once this series against the Avalanche finishes, Flurry will be at 11 games played. We'll see if he's still above a 936 at that point. And again, Vegas has played a lot of the worst teams in the West. And granted, so have the Avalanche ever since that first game against St. Louis. But we also played the Wild a few times, who was one of the better teams in the West. Vegas has been beating up on the Ducks and the Kings for the most part, and the Sharks too. But Philip Grubauer is the best goalie in the league 
right now. I I can't tell you if he's going to keep it up the entire season. Uh, if we don't get a backup goalie, I can tell you that he won't because you can't play him the entire season. I mean, when is Adam Werner, who I assume is our backup goalie right now, when is he going to see a game against Arizona? I mean, thankfully right now, we have a three-day break before we see Vegas outdoors, and Grubauer can get a break in between that, and then I assume he'll start again on the 22nd because you just you don't want to... You don't throw Adam Warner in the fire in a huge game against Vegas. Adam Warner is going to get one of the games against Arizona, and I would assume it would be the first one. If it's not, it's not the end of the world, and he'll, then he'll play in, in the second one. We have a two-day break between the last game against Vegas and playing Arizona on the 25th, and again on the 27th. Grubauer will get one of those, Werner will get the other, and then two games against the Sharks on March 1st and March 3rd, and then you got a back-to-back against the Ducks to end that week. You are you're pro- you probably want to play Adam Werner a few times in this next stretch, at least twice. And if you're not confident that he's going to win you those games against teams like the Coyotes, Sharks, and Ducks, then you need to go out and get somebody. Because I don't know when Pavel Francouz is coming back, but my God... Philip Grubauer is standing on his skull and brain right now. They win this game because of him. Yes, the team showed up in front of him still. He didn't, like, single-handedly steal it, but he plays just a little worse. Vegas wins this game, and we're, and we're talking about what's wrong with the Avs right now. Philip Grubauer is hiding a lot. My expectations for Grubauer coming into this season was that he'd play pretty well and he'd be above league average and be an, and be a 915 goalie which is about what you could expect. He has stomped on those expectations and sent his performance straight to the moon right now. He is playing out of his mind. It's and he's not seemingly taping taking a step back anytime soon. It's not like if Philip Grubauer was having his performances hidden behind good defenses or playing bad teams, we'd know by now. Considering the injuries in front of him and the amount of games he's had to play in a row, we'd know by now if it was if it was a mirage. All these games have done have is prove that Grubauer is for real. Again, I don't know if he's going to keep literal Vesna trophy winning pace the entire season. I certainly hope he does, but Let's be a let's be a little realistic here and say he comes down a bit. I mean, he's at a 9.36 right now. His career high was in 2016-17. He was a 9.26 as a backup in Washington. I mean, he's he was never a starter before coming to Colorado. So let's his highest starting goaltending percentage was his first year in Colorado in 37 games, a 9.17. Actually, you know what? The 30-ish games is probably fair because I actually, I don't even know because that was the plan coming into the season to play him 35, 36 games. And now we've had no Francos. I don't know. We might, we might be looking at like 43, 44, 45. Like, man, at, at that point, like you're going to have to put cybernetics in him before the playoffs. Like, I don't know how you survive that at all. I mean, yes, it's not a ton of games compared to your normal regular season. But when, especially when you consider the Avalanche just had their schedule restructured, which I'll talk about in a little bit, it's all going to get condensed even further. So the, the very little amount of time that we had between games this season at all is going to be compressed even further. And that's going to take even more of a toll on Grubauer every single night. I mean, if there is a game that he wins a game two to one, that's probably going to cost you a goal or two down the line if he's playing five games in a row. Like, it's just only, you need to get a goalie. We don't know when Francois is going to be back. I've probably I've probably said that 50 times since the season started. We don't know when Francois is going to be back. He's week to week, which could mean next week for all we know, or it could be like eight weeks from now, which I'm no math whiz, but that's, that's going to be pretty significantly down the line in the season. 
And if that's going to be the case, you need to find someone that you're confident in. And if that's not Adam Werner, you got to make a trade somehow. I don't know who's going to be on the block, and I don't know who's going to be selling a goalie right now when goalies are so important this season. But I don't know. It's Joe Sackick's a pretty good GM. He gets paid pretty handsomely to do his job, and he does a pretty damn good job of it. So I trust him to make the right decision. But I think you're going to have to make a decision sooner than later as to what you want to do. Yes, there's not a ton of cap room, and you're probably going to have to do some finagling to make that work, but I don't know. you got to figure something out, because Grubauer, you might break him at this point. I mean, and you got to be a little nervous, right? I mean, Grubauer has a significant injury history. That is my one concern about him, is that he, he's been hurt the last two years. He was hurt in the regular season last year and got hurt again in the playoffs with a significant groin injury that he was just able to recover from before the season began. I mean, one stretch too far. One stretch too far on a pad save, and this team is in trouble, big, big trouble, because now you're down to presumably Hunter Miska being your starting goalie and Adam Warner as your backup until one of Francois or Grubauer comes back. But obviously that is that is the doomsday, the end is nigh scenario, which I pray to God never happens. But it's a long season, and you never know, and you never know what kind of angle he's going to be taking on a shot, and he just don't know. Did you see him getting hurt in game one against Dallas? No. Point being, you got to get Grubauer some help. He's standing on his brain. He is the team MVP. He is the backbone of this team, according to Kadri. Get him some help, please, before it's too late. Moving on now to Bowen Byram. Like we mentioned, the Avalanche have several key members of their defense out at this point. Obviously, Eric Johnson, Kale McCarr, and Sam Girard. And that puts newcomer Bowen Byram on the top pair with Devon Tays, who just came back from injury. 19-year-old Bowen Byram played, and I gotta find it, he played, I think, 25 minutes last night or close to it. I got to find it, but he played a ton of minutes last night. He played le- he played legitimate top pair defenseman. There was no sheltering going on here whatsoever. Make no mistake about that. But Byram, he came through big time. And I just realized when I talked about the schedule a moment ago, I was looking at it from when the website was still on Monday. I had not refreshed the page. So... Before I get into Byram, let me correct myself. You finish up against Vegas, and then you play Minnesota on the 24th, and then you have a back-to-back against Arizona. So, going back to Grubauer for a second, Grubauer is going to play the outdoor game, probably the next one against Vegas, and I would assume the one against the Wild on the 24th, and then probably the first game against Arizona, and you play Adam Warner on the second half of the back-to-back against Arizona. But I'll get into more of the schedule change stuff in a moment. Moving back to me trying to find just how many minutes Bowen Byram played last night because I forgot to write it down, even though that was something I knew I was going to talk about. And this is something we call stalling in the industry. Bowen Byram played 25 minutes and 3 seconds last night. Devon Tays, for comparison, played 26 minutes and 48 seconds. Poe Byram played the second most minutes on this team and it is his 10th game or his like I'm pretty sure it's his 10th game for comparison Alex Petrangelo on Vegas played 24 minutes last night and Alec Martinez played 22 so out of everyone that was on the ice last night not including the goalies obviously Bowen Byram played the second most minutes he was on the ice second most behind only his partner, Devontae's. That shows the immense amount of trust that Jared Bednar has in this kid, whether he had a choice or not. 
No one put a gun to his head and forced him to put Bowen Byram on that top pair. He could have put Connor Timmons there or anyone else for that matter. He put Bowen Byram there. And not only that, Bowen Byram delivered. He got the big assist. He set up the game-winning goal to Kadri with the shot from the point that was directly clean from the pass through some traffic and just exactly where it needs to be. And he also showed up on defense. Yes, the points aren't really coming outside of that. And I've, I've seen some people complain that he hasn't been putting up the big offensive numbers to which I say, what is your actual problem? Okay, yeah, Kale McCarr put up a ton of points in his rookie season. But, like, we're, spo- we're all that tells me is we're spoiled. Like, do we not remember when we had nothing on defense? Do you remember when Sam Gerrard played his first games for the Avalanche and we were so happy because he wasn't old and didn't know how to move? Have we already forgotten those days? Bowen Byram, okay, he's not scoring goals and putting up a ton of points, but he's playing well defensively. He really is, and... He shut down a bunch of stuff from Vegas tonight. Like, he looks comfortable. And Bednar has clearly taken notice. I mean, he made a bunch of great passes. He was moving his stick very well and going around a bunch of players. Like, you got to earn 25 minutes a night. If Bowen Byram was not coming through tonight, he would not have played 25 minutes. And he rewarded the team with making that goal happen at the very end. Like, sure, okay, he has two points in ten games. Who cares? Who cares? The points are going to come. He's 19, and he's playing 25 minutes a night when Kale McCarr, Sam Gerrard, and Eric Johnson are out. What else do you want out of this kid? We have another potential star on our hands again. Again. One season after Makar. No other team gets to have this. No other team just has two fourth overall pick defensemen in Makar and Byram making their debuts in back-to-back seasons, and they both look phenomenal. No, he's not going to win the Calder. Okay, fine. Who cares? Who cares? You got one last year. You might get a Norris to replace it with with Kale McCarr. And now you potentially have a partner for the future with him and Byram. Byram was phenomenal in this game. He's only getting better with each passing game. I, I know I ranted and raved about him in the last episode. It just He, he just keeps making it more true. He, he just looks better every single time he's on the ice. It's just... That's just how that's just how it is. He just looks better. I don't know how else to describe it. He's learning from his mistakes. He looks more comfortable. He's making better plays. What else do you want from a rookie? He's going to grow into something very very special. He might not be Kale McCarr win a Norris in your second year special or generational defenseman special, but elite defenseman special. That I love this kid. I can't wait to see what he does in the field. I can't wait to see what he's going to be next week, let alone the rest of the season. This guy is crazy. It's just so special to have these guys. And just want to talk about one more thing with this game before we wrap it up, and it's going to be on the negative side, and that is that JT Comfer looks terrible. He looks awful. And what a what a disappointment, honestly. I can't I can barely express how disappointed I've been with JT Comfer this season. I was patient with him early on. He struggled a bit out of the gates, you know, whatever. That happens to a ton of players across the league. He is not coming through this season, and with the amount of injuries and issues the Avalanche have had, Comfer has had the opportunity to step up, and he has completely screwed it up he was the worst player on the ice in this game for both teams he was missing his passes all across the ice and just when I wasn't noticing Comfer screw up I wasn't noticing him at all because he wasn't doing anything and he's quickly put himself into the conversation to at 
best case scenario being exposed in the expansion draft. Like, he's 25 now. He's not really a prospect anymore. We kind of know what Comfort is going to be at this point. And this is his fifth season, his fourth full season. And this was supposed to be the breakout year. He had 23 points in his first full season and 32 and 31 the next few years above 10 goals each time, and this was supposed to be the year that he breaks out a bit and is a clear, great depth player for this team and a great third-line center, and he has completely screwed that up to the point where I'm wondering if we should even keep him, and I'm wondering, at the deadline, should we look for an upgrade at third-line center because Comfort is clearly not the answer right now. I didn't think coming into this season at all, that we would even need to have the discussion about adding to the offense at the trade deadline. But that's just how bad Comfort has been. He's been ineffective. And it's gotten to the point where you might need an upgrade. And you might need to go out and spend draft capital. Because this is not a year that you can fuck around and be like, ah, well, he'll get better. No. You, this is a this is an all-in season. Let's make let's make no mistake on that subject. Like I've talked about this before, but in this context, you're you're giving Landeskog a raise next season. You are terrified at what Kale McCarr is going to get next season. You also have to work out a deal with Connor Timmins, and Brandon Saad is either getting a new deal or leaving. And something I haven't stressed enough: Philip Grubauer expires after this season. And with the season he's having, he's either getting a significant raise or he's leaving. So if Grubauer leaves, you have a massive hole in net that you have to fill in free agency, which I imagine is going to cost you more than $3.33 million a year like Grubauer makes right now, or you keep Grubauer and give him a significant raise. So, no, I'm not willing to stick it out with JT Kompfer struggling on the third line when we need him to perform. We need all cylinders firing, and yes, it didn't cost us in this game, but it very well could have. And if he's not back at all by the trade deadline, get someone else and either stick him on the fourth line or scratch him, because you need better especially in the playoffs when you there's nowhere to hide in the playoffs. And if you're going to be playing this Vegas team in the playoffs in the second round or in the first round, if, like, let's say we don't win the division and we play St. Louis, there's nowhere to hide. If you're not showing up in the playoffs, then St. Louis's depth is going to be able to beat us. And I'm not willing to take that chance. Comfer is 25 now. We know what he is and what he's going to be. It's time to figure it out. And if he, if he doesn't have it figured out by the trade deadline, go out and get someone else and work on something in the offseason. This, this cannot continue with him. I need to see improvement. This, the performance is unacceptable. There's no other way to put it. So that's it for the 3-2 win for the Avalanche over the Golden Knights in Vegas. We are moving on to Saturday to meet Vegas again at Lake Tahoe in the outdoor game with a much healthier lineup. Kale McCarr, Gabe Landeskog, and Tyson Jost are coming back into the fold and making this team even more dangerous. I mean, I haven't mentioned it until now, but we really needed Landeskog in this game. And I know I talked about McCarr and Gerard on the power play and how much you missed them. I completely skipped past how much we missed Landeskog on the power play, too, just getting into those dirty areas. I mean, I, I saw tidbits during the break. I was like, oh, how much do we really need Landeskog? Should we let him walk? Is the raise going to be worth it? Are you out of your mind? I know I'm talking to a very select few people right now, and I know a lot of you have brains in your skulls and you wouldn't want to let Landeskog go in free agency. But to those of you that were even having that conversation, have you completely lost your mind? You see how important Landeskog is to this team when he's not playing. He's the captain for a reason. That is not just a symbol on his chest. He matters to this team. 
you don't just let that walk because it costs a few extra million dollars on the cap. You find a way to keep someone like that. That's a, he's been around basically almost longer than anybody on this team. Like, get rid of him. Are you crazy? Okay, he doesn't score 100 points a year, but my god, guys, he is very, very important to this team. That is non-debatable, non-negotiable. Again, you don't just get captain by being around the longest. If he didn't deserve to be captain, someone else would have it by now. Like, this team misses him on the power play. They miss him digging out pucks on the court. There's a reason we have trouble filling that left-wing spot with McKinnon and Rantanen. You know, there's a, there's a reason it's considered one of the best lines in the league. It's not because of just the two players. It's because of the other guy on the left wing, Landeskog. There's a reason that when McDavid and Nugent Hopkins are on the same line, why don't they call that one of the best lines in hockey? Oh, because they have a friggin' cardboard box or whoever the hell plays with them now, on the right wing. Like, there's a reason Landeskog is so important to this team, and he's going to be back for, on Lake Tahoe against Vegas, and he's gonna, it's going to be apparent how much they missed him. And once he's back to full speed over the next few games, he's going to start coming through again. So wrapping that up and finishing up with the Avalanche having their schedule restructured with the five games from early in February being postponed to a later date. Well, we now have those dates, and this season is getting tight now. Minnesota is coming to visit Colorado in what was going to be the final game of our four-game series against the Wild earlier in the month that got postponed, and that will be happening February 24th, so directly after we wrap up with Vegas, and we will have our game against Arizona moved to February 26th for a back-to-back -back against the Coyotes. March 16th, we had, this game was not postponed, but we had a game moved with Anaheim, and that will be moved to March 16th. That was to make room for, I assume, this one of these games. I can't remember what, when this game was originally scheduled, but the one after that that got moved, Arizona again, March 31st in Colorado, and again, Arizona, April 12th in Colorado, and only one of the games against St. Louis has been rescheduled at this point, and that is, well, just one of the two, and that is going to be rescheduled for April 14th in St. Louis, and we will find out what that final game against St. Louis, when that will take place, I assume, sometime in the near future, probably when they an announce the next batch of rescheduled rescheduled games. And, man, they had a lot of games rescheduled over the last few days. Like, just looking through the list now, I cannot even begin to tell you or count just how many of these there are. It is every division... And they're not even done. They still have six games left to reschedule, including the one for the Avalanche against St. Louis. I mean, they've got a Philadelphia-Washington game to reschedule. They've got a game against Nashville and Dallas to reschedule. Two of them, actually. Actually, those had, those had nothing to do with COVID. That actually had to do with uh, that massive storm that's been hitting the South recently. They had the uh, power issues, I think, actually had to shut those games down and have them rescheduled. What if, isn't that just, like, one of the most bizarre coincidences ever? When have you really ever seen, like, a game postponed before this season? The one I can remember was when, um, I just blanked out his name, Joe Bomeister had, like, a heart attack on the bench last year, and they, in the middle of the game, and they postponed it to, I think, like, the day before the season actually got paused. And until then, I don't think I had ever seen, like, a game be, like, postponed before or at least not that I can remember. And then you have two with Dallas and Nashville rescheduled due to power concerns. I mean, I guess they, with no fans in the arena, I guess it was an easier decision to make, but it's just, it's just still funny that it comes in this season where you, you're seeing, like, God, I, like, I can't even give you a guess at how many of these are. I'm going to say no less than 20 
games rescheduled with five more still on the way. And then you got these two random weather delays sprinkled in there as well. But yeah, I think that's going to do it on this edition of Tell Dabs Is. Next time you hear from me, we will have the outdoor game against Vegas wrapped up, and we will talk about how that goes. Hopefully the Avalanche come out of that with a win, and I'm going to say that they do. I think it's going to be early on, probably not much to write home about as the players start to get used to the ice. I mean, you see it a lot in outdoor games, but I think once the game gets into the heart of the second period, and especially once we get to the third, probably a lot like this game, honestly, I think you're going to start to see a bunch of goals start to go in. Not a bunch, but it's going to be coming right down to the end. I think the Avalanche come out with a 4-2 win with an empty netter. I think Miko Rantanen gets back on the board. I think he's overdue for some. And that'll do it for this edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, sponsored by DraftKings Sportsbook. Follow me on Twitter at GYoungsNHL and follow the show at Tell It Abs It Is. Thank you all so much for tuning in. It means the world to me. There is no show without all of you. And I will catch you all next time, hopefully after an avalanche win outdoors at Lake Tahoe.